strategies in partnering with parents. All this and more on Youth and Culture. Hey guys, if you're new to the podcast, uh, my name is Ryan Sebastian. Again, today is episode number seven. Uh, Today's topic is, uh, I would say, something I struggle with uh, for a long time uh, entering into ministry, the idea and the concept of partnering with parents. When I entered student ministry, I wasn't trained on this. The only thing that I was trained on or even thought about or even dealt with and wrestled with was spending time with teenagers and discipling teenagers. I, the idea and the concept of partnering with parents was an afterthought that I never even thought of until after a few years entering the ministry and realized how essential it is to be partnering with parents, come alongside with them when it comes to discipling their teenagers and helping them and discipling them to help to make that happen within my student ministry. So I'm really excited to to be talking to Nick Blevins. Nick Blevins is the host of the Nick Blevins Family uh, Ministry Podcast. It's a phenomenal podcast. If you're not connected with that, I would recommend doing that. So I'm really looking forward to our conversation with him, particularly about partnering with parents. So tune in as we talk with Nick Blevins. Well, guys, I have a great opportunity to be talking uh, to Nick Blevins. Nick Blevins is the host of the Family Ministry Podcast, Nick Blevins Family Ministry Podcast, an awesome podcast. If you're not connected to that, I highly recommend uh, getting connected to that. So I'm super excited to be talking to him today, and especially about today's topic. Uh, we're going to be talking about partnering with parents. Uh, but before we get into that, I just want to give an opportunity to get to know Nick a little bit. So Nick, how about you introduce yourself, talk about uh, your journey in ministry and where you are today. Sure. Sounds good. Hey, Ryan, thanks for having me on the podcast. Uh, I have a unique journey in the ministry in that I didn't, uh, into full-time vocational ministry, that is. I didn't plan on doing that. I didn't go to school for that. I grew up in church ever since I was two years old, uh, started serving when I was invited to serve in ministry when I was either in high school or just out of high school, and really got passionate about that. My wife and I ended up serving in a lot of different uh, areas of our church. It was kind of the classic 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And we, we volunteered a lot in student ministry mostly, and and, and even led that in, in some interim time there, like when our student, the, my youth pastor growing up, had gone on to pastor a church that's close by, actually. And so uh, we're still friends today, and he's a great mentor for me. Um, so we led that, did some in children's ministry too, and it was mostly as volunteers and 
I was just passionate about the local church, but was working, uh, eventually was working at Northrop Grumman, a, ben, a big defense contractor. And in that time, I had read a number of probably books in the ministry world, like Visioneering from Andy Stanley, or I remember I read Doug Fields, Purpose Driven Youth Ministry when I was kind of volunteer leading our student ministry and loved all that stuff. Still never thought I'd work for a church. Uh, just thought I would, you know, volunteer. And and we specifically wanted to see, after reading Andy Stanley's book, Visioneering, uh, I read that because an, I had an idea to help reach unchurched youth in our city. And I wanted to engineer this vision. But in reading it, what happened was, I think God put a different vision in my heart of, we need more churches that will reach unchurched people. That what I was trying to come up with was just for students, but really we needed churches that would uh, be designed specifically to reach people who were not a part of any church. And so we just got passionate about helping a church plant. And we looked around to see if there, you know, what churches were getting started and where can we jump in and help. And, um, and it, there weren't a, many, one, and we visited some and a lot were, had been planted, but weren't healthy and thriving. You know, if that makes sense, we were part of the Southern Baptist movement. They plant a lot of churches and there were a lot that were doing well, but like in our area of the town, we live north of Baltimore, Maryland. Um, there weren't, there weren't many that were new, but we'd heard about this church starting the next year and it was from another church up north and they were going to be sending a, a group of people and some other churches were partnering financially to help make this happen. And, and the summer before we went to that information meeting, I was talking with my youth pastor and he was looking to hire a youth pastor. So he's a pastor of a, a church not far from where we were. He was looking to hire a youth pastor. And for the first time in my life, I thought I might want to do that. You know, like I might want to work, you know, in a church setting full time. And now his church was similar, very similar to my church growing up. I would not have described it as designed to reach people who are not a part of any church. You know what I mean? So while I would have loved working for him and with him, uh, I think I, it, the, the fit with the church would have been hard, but it did put that idea in my mind. And then we heard, we went to the information meeting for this church plant and loved everything we heard, thought this feels like, this is it. This feels like a church that's really going to try to reach people who are far from God. And, you know, one thing led to another, they needed a children's pastor part-time. I was like, sure. Haven't done a whole lot of children's ministry, but um, had some connections to what is now called Orange, but was not called that then and North Point and figured I'd lean into, you know, what they can create for children's ministry. And I'd just do the things I love. And they hired me part-time. It was kind of like a test for them because I was kind of the outsider. I was the only person on staff that didn't come from the other church. And then, you know, here we are 14 years later, the church is, you know, over a thousand and, and we've helped plant a bunch of other churches. And I, I lead as the next gen pastor on our staff. And I also lead our operations as well. But, you know, my primary role is that next gen pastor for everything we do from babies all the way through high school and our team that leads that. So that's kind of my story in a nutshell. Yeah. So, um, when you first started ministry, this is a question I kind of like to ask those of those who are engulfed in student ministry or even children's family ministry as a whole, is when you first started ministry, what did you, you wish you had known when you started out? That is a great question. I honestly, I mean, there's things I've thought about, um, and I don't know when I learned them. And I don't have, I think other people are probably more reflective than me because I don't have like... Uh, that whole list of things of, man, I wish I knew that, or I wish I knew that, or, you know what I mean? And then maybe it's because I grew up going to church for some too. I was very, even uh, before I ever worked for a church, I served on our, my home church's church council, which was uh, kind of a leadership decision-making team in the church. And I was, I was young. I was 20, 21, something like that. 
you know, they wanted some young blood on the team. Although I think they probably regretted that after I was on there and I asked lots of questions and things like that. And so I feel like I had, I don't know, a pretty clear picture of what it would be like to work for a church, even though I never had. Um, So in that way, it wasn't maybe as much of a shock. But I think the things I would like what I would tell myself at that time, because I don't know when I learned these things. I think about Kerry Newhoff is uh, one of the phrases he says is that you should work twice as hard on your character as you do on your competency. Uh, Totally agree with that. And I think I always knew that. I remember, I don't know which Catalyst conference this was, but I I didn't even, I've never been to Catalyst actually, which is kind of odd because I've listened. That's the podcast I've listened to the longest, connected with so much, watched you know, buy a lot of the audio and, and listen to those. And I remember over a decade ago, listen to one, uh, maybe 2003 or two or 2004 or something like that. And I remember a quote Erwin McManus said about um, we run as, as, as fast as our character goes deep, not as far as our talent goes wide. So I feel like that idea has always been in me. But what I wish I knew was, how do you do that? How do you work twice as hard on your character as you do on your competency? I knew how to work on my competency, right? I could read these books, go to these conferences, learn from these other churches. There's, there, you know, there's not, and I could read books about character too, but it's just a little less tangible. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. So oh, yeah. I think I would, I wish I knew more about how to do that. Like I know, you know, today I feel like the healthy people that I try to model my life after or follow, they're people who have lots of accountability in their life. They're people who go to, uh, counseling regularly, you know, to, to maintain that health in their marriage and for themselves as parents, whatever it might be. So I think that those, you know, that's something for sure. I think about, I think I didn't know that serving in full-time vocational ministry would actually make it harder to prioritize your relationship with God. Oh yeah. Now I don't think, I didn't think it was the opposite either. Again, I had a pretty realistic picture. So I, I wasn't one of those people who thought, Oh, if I work for the church, you know, my devotions are going to, blossom and I'm you know, going to be so connected with God. Like I didn't have that either, but I don't think I probably thought about the, the opposite effect that it could actually make it harder, you know, to connect with God. So those were, I mean, those are probably the most important things. I think uh, other things that I learned pretty quick, probably in the first three years, but not right away is I would, I would get volunteer directors over areas as fast as I could. You know, I did that probably two, three years in, you know, where I ended up with a volunteer preschool director, volunteer elementary director. And then we had a family experience at the time and I got a volunteer director for that. Uh, I would do that sooner. I put together a team of core leaders. I called them the leadership team of children's ministry. And and I did the same thing with student ministry as a volunteer at my you know home church. And I would do that sooner. Again, I didn't do that fast enough. So those are some of the things I think about that I probably eventually learned and and hopefully put some of those into practice. But I wish I had done it from day one. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, I, I do have to say probably what you just mentioned for is uh, just just spending time with God and having a quiet time, uh, spending time with God. I, I do think that a lot of pastors, uh, I guess uh, specifically youth pastors, is that's what I deal with mostly. And that's something they struggle with, and you never think that someone in ministry would struggle having an alone time with God. Uh, I don't know what else do we get so much caught up in just ministry, ministry life that we sometimes we neglect that personal time. I, I got to say that in my time in ministry full time and also uh, even before I was in full time ministry, it's, it's something I struggle with off and on. And I've had to learn uh, to push everything aside and make sure everything works around that. 
Um, so I, I absolutely agree that that kind of describes my own, my own struggles in ministry as well. Yeah. And I think it's probably, again, I wouldn't have known this, but I think that's very common. I think every, almost everybody, not almost everybody. I feel like there are certain people who, um, their faith or connection with God, uh, their discipline in that, you know, is so strong that maybe be the same from when they, before they worked in vocational ministry oh, yeah. to after. But I think the majority of us, 90% are like, are like you and me. And, and so you have to be in some ways more intentional about it. I don't know what it is, but I didn't feel like I had to um, be as disciplined in connecting with God when I, before I worked, you know, for a church, which does sound so weird because what, you know, obviously working for the church would be the place with the most freedom to do that. You know what I mean? But oh, yeah. for whatever reason, that's how it worked out. Yeah, I have to agree. My same thing. That same thing describes me. Uh, before I was in in full time ministry, I had more of an in depth relationship, spending time with God than than when I got before I got in there full time. Same thing with my same thing uh, with marriage. The same thing. We've uh, me and my wife have had more things we've had to work through since I've been in full time ministry. And the only, of course, the only thing I can I can pinpoint is just uh, Satan working in our lives and in mine as well. Uh, in, in our ministry. Uh, mm-hmm. But anyway, anyway, that's, yeah. So I, I totally agree that that's something that a lot of, a lot of people struggle with and describe, describes me um, as well. But one thing I want to, uh, want to, another question I wanted to just kind of bring your way is, is because of course we're going to be talking about partnering with parents uh, a little bit uh, today. And the, re- the reason I want to kind of talk about that is because I, f- I personally, in my own experience and, and talking to other uh, youth pastors and youth leaders. Uh, one thing, a common theme that I hear a lot is the struggle of of partnering with parents in their ministries. Uh, partly, I think it's because a lot of a lot of us graduate uh, Bible college or or seminary not having really any training in this area, and plus, most of us, in, including me, I I'd never thought about really partnering with parents until I was in ministry and dealing with parents. Um, I was mostly focused about spending time with teens, discipling teens, and parents in some ways was an afterthought when I first started ministry. So one question I want to ask you is, why do you, why do you think youth pastors or youth leaders neglect partnering with parents? Well, I think what you said is a good, a good point that you're not trained in it. You weren't prepared for it. I, I agree with that. I totally agree with that. Um, most, if you grew up in church, like I did, um, it was a drop-off culture. You know, you, your kids, you, you like your family, be part of church, but youth ministry, especially, you drop them off at youth ministry. You weren't a part of it. There weren't, at least in my experience. And I had a great, great youth pastor, and he did. He partnered with parents in a lot of relational ways. That was part of who he was. But I wouldn't say there was like a strategy. You know, there that question of how do we partner with parents wasn't showing up in, in the different things that that we did in our student ministry. So you just, you weren't experienced with that. You weren't trained that way. I think for youth pastors, it's, it's harder, quite frankly. Um, and it's no different than school. Think about like, you know, I've got our sons that did, just finished kindergarten this year. And I was not surprised that they had a little competition with school starting to see, you know, which grade could get the most parents involved in the PTA. Not surprisingly, it was kindergarten. Well, of course it is because they're new parents, you know, a lot of these are, uh, it's their first kid going to the kindergarten. So there's more time available. They're not being pulled in many different directions. So I think it's harder to partner with parents once kids are in middle school, high school. Parent involvement is way down in general, not just in church, but in these other things. There's far more of a drop off nature, right? Like think about, 
uh, school is a good example. Like you, you might be more involved like we are with our kids in school. Now we can help them with everything they're doing. Well, when they're in middle school and high school, they are probably going to take some classes that we long forgot and don't remember how to do. And they're gonna be smarter than we are. And now we can't even help them as much. So, and we're kind of expecting them to get more of that at school. Same with sports, right? I can help my son uh, learn the fundamentals, of a lot of these sports that he's playing right now, but there's going to be a point, you know, at some point in his journey, probably in that middle school range when I, he, he needs a better coach. Like I'm not even that good. You know what I mean? Like I can't help him. And I think parents can look at church the same way because now their students are older, conversations are harder. It's more real. Uh, teenagers have doubts. Naturally, teenagers are disconnecting from their parents and, and then parents, because they're not sure what to do. They disconnect as well. When in reality, they need to lean in because the teenagers don't, I mean, if it's a good, you know, if that's, if there's a good family relationship there, while teenagers are kind of leaning away, they, they don't want to be disconnected. They just want to be independent, but yet also still have their parents there. So it's just this weird time for parents where they're trying to lean in when it feels like their teenagers leaning out. And now the teenager determines when they have important conversations, not them. So it's just hard. And so for a student ministry and for student pastors, that's what you're battling. You know, it's not, uh, parents don't feel it like the, the desire to be a part of it themselves like they do when kids are in preschool and elementary. And I also think, um, you know, statistically speaking, there are far more youth pastors who aren't the parents of middle school and high schoolers, right? That, that would be, a, I, in my experience, that would be a smaller percentage. Like you said, of all the student pastors out there, how many of them have a middle school or high schooler themselves or have raised a middle, their own middle school or high schooler? Um, I would guess it'd be less than a third. I agree. Uh, just based on the age and you know all that stuff. So what does that mean? Well, it means you're a little bit less confident talking to these parents. Right. Because you're great with the students, but it's hard to relate to the parents. And I think part of that's just a myth. You don't have to have that experience. You lean into that, you know, you lean into theirs. Whereas if you think about children's ministry, what percentage of children's ministry leaders have kids in children's ministry? Well, it's the other way around. It's probably two thirds, if not 85 percent. You know what I mean? Probably have kids in the ministry. So in, the, in a sense, you can almost feel like you relate more to those parents because you're in, in that same stage of life or close to it. That's not so much the case with student ministry. So I think you might feel less confident. And then it also doesn't help that kind of like you alluded to, you don't really have a plan. What do I do? What does it mean to partner with How can I engage these parents that have disconnected from school, like PTA in high school, you know, or back to school nights at high school, not the same as elementary, right? And so how do I, how do I connect with them? I think it's hard because you don't, you don't know what to do. And, and, and I think maybe something else that, that uh, is driving all of this too is just the reality that partnering with parents feels like extra always partnering with parents always feels like extra because it's not required to make your week weekly program happen. So you don't give it the same time and attention. You give it your extra time and attention. And how much of that do we have? Not much, right? Yeah. Yeah. You actually, you actually made, um, made a good point about uh, feeling extra. I, I could, I've actually personally have never thought about that, but it actually makes it's actually a great point because um, a lot of times we're, as as youth youth leaders we're so focused on programming, so focused on discipling teens, where the meeting teens outside that that parents partnering with parents, dealing with parents, and working with them is kind of like an afterthought. Um, so I, it's actually a good point that that's probably very very true 
uh, in most in most youth ministries. And yeah, and children's ministry too. Even though it's easier, I think, in children's ministry to partner with parents, it's still extra, right? It's not due this Sunday. You know what I mean? Like like it doesn't. You're not pulling off a live environment with parents. Now, and I wish I had a good analogy for this. It is extra in a sense, but the reality is if you can do it and do it well, it makes your ministry even better. So it's really not extra if you can do it and you can do it well, because then what you're doing for students can now be multiplied. You know what I mean? Like imagine you're trying to have conversations, like you teach uh, this week about the importance of uh, choosing your friends and he who walks with the wise grows wise. And, 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 it, and if it just ends there, you've had a certain amount of impact. But if you told parents, hey, this is what we talked about. Here's a question to ask your students tonight. Well, you've just multiplied your influence with very little extra effort. You know, so it was extra. You had to plan some way to give parents that question to ask. But that, that takes almost no effort. But it multiplies your impact. So I think it's not extra in terms of its impact and its importance. I think it's foundational, but it feels like it because it's not due and you can't, it's hard to measure the results. You know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. how many parents actually ask that question of their students? I don't know. And, and then of the ones that did, did it make a difference in their student's life? I don't know. You know what I mean? But you know, there's enough stories and experience to know it really does matter. It's huge. I, absolutely. I, I totally agree. And, and in my time uh, in, in youth ministry and it's, and I've learned over time the importance of partner with parents. You cannot really reach the students and you can reach it to a certain level, but it's a whole lot more effective if they, if parents are being involved in the students' lives in the home and how you do that is partnering with parents and working with parents to make that happen. Well, and you know, what's interesting too, is this is true everywhere. So um, I remember years ago, there was some, not that long ago, maybe six, seven years ago, um, I had read a, a report about the most important factor for a student's, like a kid or a student's success in school was parent involvement. It wasn't, you know, natural intelligence, where they were located, all that stuff. It was parent, parent involvement. How did they help their kids at home? What were they doing to support them educationally? And as someone who believes parents are the primary leaders of their kids in faith and everything else, I thought, yep, that makes sense. That's the way it should be. And even now, this again, as kids get older, I think things change because other influences come in and they matter. And in many cases, they end up mattering more to the student at least. But when kids are young, think about it with sports. My, my son just played his first year of coach pitch baseball. And, you know, they do, they changed kind of the rules halfway through to where they start counting outs and strikes and all this stuff. And there is no doubt that the kids that were the better players are the kids who have worked on it outside of when regular games were. You know what I mean? Like you could totally see kids that, had their parents practice with them throughout the year, ended up being better players than the other kids who maybe didn't do anything except for show up to whatever was, you know, led by the coach, which in our case was mostly the games. So you wouldn't have even practiced that much. At some point as they get older, talent's going to outweigh that, right? It's not, I mean, it's going to matter, but talent will matter even more. But right now, uh, man, that parent involvement is just huge. So I think it's true everywhere and it's definitely true in church. Man, I, I totally agree. There is for even my own experience in, in youth ministry, uh, there's a big difference that I see in the students where the parents are extremely involved, extremely involved spiritually in their lives. There's a huge difference in the outcome of the student's faith uh, compared to that student and the student who doesn't have that. Um, so there's a, it's, I, totally, I totally agree when it comes yeah. to that. And, you, and, and there's always 
outliers. There's always exceptions. I'm an exception. You know, my parents, my, I went to church because my mom took me when I was two years old. I joked that like she needed to, you know, get some Jesus for this crazy two-year-old. And then uh, my sister was born, you know, a few years later and she took us both. And, but it's not like we had faith at home. You know, my parents didn't teach us faith at home. Like what we got was because we went to church and, and my, I got to watch my mom kind of journey in her faith as well. But it's not like there was an intentional plan or anything like that at home. What I got was mostly at church. So I am an example of the kid who um, didn't have maybe that that level of parent. Now, my mom was fully involved in my life, though, like showing up at sports, taking me to church, all of that. So that and that alone is huge. And I'm so grateful for that. But I think I just want to say out loud, it's not like we have to look at the students that you're reaching and their parents aren't involved in your church and think, oh, this is never going to work out for them. Of course it could. You know what I mean? Like it totally could for me. But there's there's just a reality that and people have probably seen those stats that if you reach mom, you know, there's this percentage chance you reach the whole family, parent, kids, dads. And it's it's good, but it's not great. If you reach dad, it's like 80 some 90, low 90s percentage chance you're going to reach the whole family. Oh yeah. It's a church. I don't know. I just saw it recently. So I wish I could dig it up and, and share the official. But when I read that, I thought, yeah, makes sense. You know what well, I mean? Like you got a part. And, and so if you reach mom, better chance of reaching kids. If you reach dad, even better chance of reaching the whole family. But so you'll, you can still reach kids for sure and help them grow their faith, even if their parents aren't involved in the church. But the more of the family you can reach, the, the better your chances will be. Exactly. I totally agree. Oh, now, what this kind of kind of brings up, we talk a lot about partnering parents, the importance of it and the effects of it. But one thing that I think I, I've struggled with it and I'm still not, I would say, have a complete uh, bulletproof strategy. But I, I feel like that a lot of youth ministries struggle uh, when it comes to strategies on how to partner with parents. So what, what are some strategies that a, a youth leader can take? to be more effective in partnering with parents. Sure. And I love, I mean, I love practical ideas. I like taking ideas from other churches and using them. So I'll share a bunch of this stuff pretty quick. And then if you want to, you know, dive deeper into it, we can. But I think, um, I know you had Justin Herman on your podcast when he was on my podcast uh, not too long ago, the second time. We talked a little bit about this. And one of the things he shared there is something I believe in too, the idea of starting like a, a team, a group of parents to help help support, you know, give ideas, give feedback. I think this is even more important if the student pastor isn't a parent of a teenager, uh, like I am not a parent of a teenager. So I think that's even more important to have a parent team to help you with that because how better to learn to partner with parents than to ask parents, Hey, how can I partner with you? You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Like th that's, that's where you can start. I do think you should have some sort of strategy. Like I would start with a half day, full day, whatever, where I just said, what are all the things we do? Let's list that out for students. And then now what are the things we could do to partner with parents? And let's just put the ideas up. Let's prioritize the ideas because you can't do everything. Keep in mind, this is your extra time. You know what I mean? You're not giving this 35 hours a week. You know, if you're, if you can, maybe you're giving it two or four, um, or maybe you're going to give it a focused couple days, but you know, a couple days, one month or whatever. And then, you know, list out everything you could do, prioritize it, and then just decide, okay, we're going to put these in place in this order. And, and some of those ideas I think of, uh, I kind of mentioned the one, but you like, you leverage what's already happening. So like my friend EJ Swanson, 
one of the things they do that's great with their student ministry at his church is um, they're multi-site. They got campuses that are massive, 5,000. They got campuses that are 100 people. So this works at very different you know, sizes. They'll just um, stream the teaching uh, that they do for students over Facebook Live, like from a phone, you know, into a, into a, a group, I think. Either the page for student ministry or into a, a group, like a private group for parents. And so parents, if they wanted could watch or listen to the same teaching that their kids heard. But the thing I really like that's even easier is they just give them one question to ask for parents to ask their kids um, when they get home that, you know, that night, let's say their student ministry meets on Sunday night. What's one question you can ask that is about what we talked about that'll help at home. And they text that out, I think, uh, you know, right before the program ends or maybe in the middle of it or something like that. So that the question isn't, Hey, how was, Student ministry, oh, it was good. Do you know anything? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you can ask a real question about, hey, I know tonight you talked about, uh, like my example earlier, he who walks with the wise grows wise. Do you think there are any friends in your life that maybe aren't leading you in the best direction? Like imagine, like that's an awesome partnership with parents and it takes five minutes, you know, to schedule that text or email or whatever it might be. So I think leveraging what's already happened is huge. I know of people who, um, like after a retreat, during the retreat, they'll send parents detailed information about what students are learning. And then sometimes even they'll plan to get like the student pastor will be able to get back earlier than everybody else. And let's say like parents say, we're going to be at back of the church at 3 p.m. Uh, you tell parents, hey, we're going to meet there at 3 p.m. Bus is going to arrive at 3.30. I'm going to give you kind of a recap, you know, of the experience. And it's 15 minutes, 30 minutes. And you're telling them how the retreat went. Here's what students experience. Here's what I saw. Here's what you should know. And here's how I think you can make the most of this at home. You know what I mean? Like again, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, not, you know, five hours or whatever. Some bigger ones that, that are helpful, but they take more time are you could do some felt need training, you know? So, you know, we've done, um, technology, you know, parenting with technology, uh, talking about sexuality, um, you know, we've done little conversations about that, you know, pretty informal, but we bring, you know, somebody does talk about it and kind of teach some information about it. And then it's a conversation we've even done. And I, this, again, this is pretty easy. Uh, we call them coffee talks where we'll ask, you know, if our, our student ministry program starts five thirty on Sunday nights and we'll tell parents, Hey, it's a coffee talk this Sunday. Well, you know, we'll tell them many weeks in advance, but, um, come out at five o'clock, come 30 minutes early. Uh, students are going to be able to have free time, extra free time. You know, all the normal stuff will be set up for them. And then we're going to have you there from 5 to 5.45. And that coffee talk is a time for you to connect with your student small group leaders because we're going to have them there, for you to connect with other parents, you know, who have kids in the same group, same age. And we're going to do 15 minutes talking about technology. And that's what we do. You know, we do, you know, kind of 15 minutes, but we do that usually like in the middle. But before and after, it's just connect with other parents, which is just critical and connect with your student small group leader. And again, because it's, th- it's just 30 minutes before the regular program, it does not take a lot of work. You know I mean? We might put, I don't know, five to 10 hours into uh, what is the 15 minutes that we're going to teach and then communicating about the coffee talk, but that's it. And so I think that's a great one. Um, I also think it's important to partner with the kids ministry in your church so what are they doing to partner with parents and how can that look similar, but adjusted, you know, appropriately for student ministry? 
You know, so if children's ministry is sending parent emails weekly on Mondays, when are you sending your deal? And can they not be the same day? So it doesn't feel like too much. Um, could it be the same email and you just get a little segment? I don't know. Like there's different ways you can do it. We've done every variety, but I think just having that conversation, Hey, what are you doing in children's ministry? What can we do together to partner with parents? I think that would be huge. And then one that's again, harder, but is important is connecting them to each other. So coffee talk was an easy example of that. Um, I know of leaders who have had like, uh, like if a leader leads six, a group of sixth grade girls, she might even invite all the parents of the sixth grade girls to her house one night just to connect. And like, that is awesome. And if, if groups did it, if groups leaders, if group leaders did it, then it's not like you as the staff person have to do it either. And it doesn't have to be, we teach them something. It could literally be just, it's time to connect and, you know, learn from each other and realize that you have parenting. We're facing some of the same struggles and it's hard and uh, you feel like you're failing a lot, but you're in it, you're in this together. You know, you're in this with somebody else. And and you might even uh, be able to partner with like your small group ministry or Sunday school or whatever that might be. And, and the adult side of discipleship to figure out how can we connect parents together too. You know what I mean? It doesn't just have oh, yeah. to be on your own. You might be able to find a way to do that with the rest of the church in mind. Yeah. What, one thing you uh, mentioned where, where it's kind of, kind of where my heart is at, but I think that at least in the conversations and my experience of talking to adult youth leaders, there, there's a sometime a disconnect from children's ministry and youth ministry and I do think that that partnership does help when it comes to partnering with parents. If there's a partnership with ministry, uh, the two ministries, a flow between the two ministries. Because a lot of churches, I, in my experience, they, they, it's almost like you have you have the children's ministry, they do what they do. Then you have the youth ministry, they do that what they do. And there's no interconnecting of ministry, a flow uh, between the two. And that also does affect, in my opinion, uh, when it comes to partnering parents as well. It does. But, and what's interesting is partnering with parents can be the easiest way to start working together because exactly. again, it's common. So like, you know, one example I'll give is uh, how are you intentionally transitioning kids out of fifth grade into sixth grade? How are you celebrating the time they spent in children's ministry, you know, kind of sending them off and, and then preparing them for student ministry. And, you know, a lot of churches will do student pastoral show up and host or teach in children's ministry the last two weeks or two of the last four weeks. Um, and then there'll be a, specific event for, you know, rising sixth graders and their parents in student ministry. And you'll have talked about that in children's ministry and push the children's pastor will push that with parents because they're the one that's have that's had the influence, you know, thus far, like those are easy opportunities to work together and you're going to partner with parents and, and, in, and kind of like the side benefit is you're going to unify your ministries. You know what I mean? In the process. Yeah, exactly. I'll, as we wrap up, Nick, I don't want to keep your time too long because I know that you're a busy man. But one last question I do want to ask you, I think it's a question I like to ask everyone that we come on this podcast is, what is one piece of advice that you would give youth leaders in their ministries? I would borrow a phrase from Orange, and I would say lead small, uh, meaning make small groups and, and weekly regular small group leaders, the foundation of your student ministry. Um, you know, I've talked to so many leaders on my podcast and asked them, Hey, what do you, what are you doing in your student ministry? What, 
is driving the success or, you know, I, I mean, recently I interviewed a, a leader that over the years, you know, it's grown from 40 to 300 students as the church has grown, but not even proportionally, right? The church isn't large enough to really have that many students. It's just the student ministry has thrived. And his answer is a lot, like pretty much the answer I always get, which is great small groups, great small group leaders, creating community there, um, making that the foundation of your strategy and letting those small group leaders pastor their students and you pastor them. I think that's the one answer I give because uh, it works in any church size. It works in any church setting. It is the most important thing. It answers the question. It answers the question, every question you could ask, like, where do I want them to be in small group? Like where are they going to grow their faith in small group? You know what I mean? I think that's really, really important. So lead small is probably the one uh, advice I give. I would say this, I think it's true really in all of ministry, leading small and student ministry has done this for a long time. It's probably newer to children's ministry, but it's not the easiest way to do ministry. It really isn't, but it's the best and it's worth it. No, I agree. Um, I, have, I have to say that uh, one thing I've, I've said on this podcast before is um, when you, when a, a pastor or anybody, when they teach, when you're doing it like a large group session, session where you're teaching or you listen to a youth pastor, youth leader, uh, most of the kids don't remember what, uh, what was spoken in the lesson, even though that's just as important. What they remember more is what goes on in a small group. Yeah, and, and the connections and the relationship, or what's that phrase? They won't remember what you said, but they'll remember how you made them feel. Exactly. Um, like I think when I think about, I mean, again, I grew up in a different kind of student ministry for sure. But and I'm really connected to my youth pastor. But our ministry was never larger than eighty, so uh, you know that was easy. But it's not just him. I mean, I'm best friends with Dave, who was one of the key volunteer leaders in my life. You know, to this day, we're we're best friends. You know, he's the one that encouraged me to take a step to get baptized. I remember the conversation we had on the mission trip uh, on the beach in Gulf Shores, Alabama. Uh, I'll remember it for the rest of my life. And I think about Dave and Terry and Greg and Andy, and these are the guys that were my leaders. And I, th I think I remember that more because I was in high school. You know what I mean? So it sticks out a little more, but there's more names. Uh, there was a, there was a track, you know, record of history there of names. And in some cases I remember, you know, some of the things they taught. Uh, but I think more of it is, it's just the cumulative effect of it. You know what I mean? The relationship, the investment. Well, I, I, I remember my time in, in youth ministry. I remember more about my youth pastor investing me in the conversations that we had outside of a church building more than I do uh, sitting in a seat and listening to speak. I remember those times more than I do the content of his lessons. So I, I absolutely agree. Uh, I know that you're involved in a lot of other resources and courts, your podcast, uh, but I would just want to, if somebody want to get connect with you, either, either uh, more questions about partnering with parents or, or, or whatnot, what's the best way to get in contact with you? Probably my website. It's just my name, nicklevins.com. Especially if you want to learn more about partnering with parents, that has probably been the topic of I don't know, eight or 10 podcast interviews and I don't know, five to 10 blog posts. Uh, and if you just search that, you know, partner with parents on there, you'll, you'll probably find some stuff. The, if you really want to work on it, um, my friends, Kenny and Kevin and I started ministry boost, an organization to help church leaders through online courses and then coaching. And we partner with orange and you lead to do the coaching. But uh, you know, we have a couple courses that would relate to that. You know, we have a strategy to partner with parents is actually I think the most popular course this this summer session, 
and it applies for children's or student ministry. Um, so those courses are the way to get in there and do that work on the ground level, but just free stuff, you know, podcasts, articles, uh, you can get that at nicklevins.com and see my social media handles there. All right, all right, Nick, I do appreciate you for coming out and just kind of giving us some ideas and strategies on how partners prepare. So we do appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. Thanks, Ryan, for having me on. Partnering with parents. It is so essential to do in your ministry. If you were listening in, please take what Nick Blevins, uh, strategies and tips and points that he gave, please take it to heart and partner with parents within your ministry. Again, if you, I want to thank you for tuning in. Uh, if you find this content useful, please go and give us a positive review and rating and a positive rating. Um, again, I am excited about uh, what we're going to be talking about next week. I'm going to be uh, talking to Ben Trueblood out of Lifeway, Lifeway Resources. Again, you don't want to miss that. We're going to be talking about some of his new books that are coming out, new resources, and how it greatly it greatly be a resource for you. And th- we're going to be thinking through and talking through some different things about why kids leave uh, when they graduate ministry, what's contributing them to, to leaving their faith, and how to combat that within your ministry. Again, tune in to next week's episode.